This is The Recap, a weekly reflection on the sermons of Fellowship Baptist Church in Mainville, Ohio, seeking to help you make Jesus essential in every aspect of your life. I'm your host this week, Ryan Land, and I'll be here with the preacher of this week's sermon, Brent Wilson. Brent, welcome back. Ryan? Uh, It's been a week off. We were both out of town for the giving of thanks. The giving of thanks, the annual giving of thanks. And we're back, and we're actually going to do something a little different because... Uh, well, wait, let me do my icebreaker. Let me, I'll dive into that in a second. Okay. What was your favorite thing you ate at Thanksgiving? Okay. So my favorite thing, well, oh, can I do two? I'll allow it. Okay. Thanks. Because well, you asked permission. <laughs> so one, we, we, we got a ham from, um, uh, that place, honey baked ham. Mm-hmm. And they put this glaze stuff on the outside can. It just, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's like crack. It just, just want to lick the outside. It's amazing. So I love that ham, but my, my kind of. Overall historical favorite, this is what's called chicken dressing. Okay. It's my great-grandmother's recipe. And it's kind of like dressing, but it's really soft. It's not like crunchy like sometimes dressing can be. Uh, and so, But it's mixed in with chicken and a bunch of other stuff. So it's kind of like a but casserole. meat in it? Yeah, it's chicken in it. It's kind of mm. like a casserole. I don't know. We call it chicken dressing. I love it. Well, at least you don't call it chicken stuffing because that would be incorrect. Oh, yeah. Because it's not cooked inside of oh, the yeah. chicken. No, it's not stuffed. Nope, nope, nope. Um, you know, some people call dressing stuffing, and it's mm. actually just dressing because um, it wasn't kicked inside the turkey. Oh. Uh, What's yours? My favorite. Well, we also had a ham, but it was smoked, mm. and my brother-in-law made a homemade glaze, Pretty and good. it was so good. Mm. I ate ham sandwiches like all week <laughs> because we had, but I also... Gosh, my aunt makes this stuff, and we just call it pink stuff, or it's sometimes called pink salad. Okay. And it's just like fruit in like, uh, like I don't know, it, it's <laughs> almost stuff? like Jello. Like, okay. but it's not. It's like it's not translucent like Jello. It's not wobbly like Jello. It's wobbly. like Jello and like cream cheese. Maybe I don't know. It's awesome. Hmm. It's so good. Better not to know. Just enjoy the yeah, mystery of it. It's pink stuff. You know? <laughs> that's that's all it is. Pink stuff. Uh, okay. Well, as I was saying earlier. Uh, what we're actually going to do is a little bit discuss boast, both boast, both First Corinthians eight and nine, because I preached on uh, the, the previous week on First Corinthians eight, and then Brent preached on Sunday on First Corinthians nine, and so, but but Paul's actually kind of tracing one argument kind of throughout, and 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 the argument is this: he's saying, hey, give up. He says you have freedoms. Uh, you have Christian freedom. He says, give up your freedoms for the sake of your brother and for the sake of the gospel. And so first, I think where we got to start when we talk about these texts is like, what, what is, what is Christian freedom? Like what, like when Paul is talking about your freedom and, and when we talk about, you know, we're free in Christ, mm-hmm. what, what does that mean? Yeah, it means a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we could talk about this for a long time. Um, I mean, there's a sense in which it means we're free from the law. Uh, that is particularly the, uh, the, the like the sacrificial law, ceremonial mm-hmm. law, civil law, those kinds of things. You know, we mm-hmm. you know we don't have to sacrifice anymore. We don't have to follow the Jewish customs. So there's a, there's that sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're free from sin, right? So where where we were once shackled and enslaved to sin, now we've been freed from that. We don't we're, sin is no longer our master. Mm-hmm. So we're free in that sense. Um, but the way I defined it in this in my sermon was that we are, as Christians, we are free to uh, do, do, think, say, 
have the opinion of, you know, whatever we want in accordance with the word of God Mm -hmm. in our own conscience. Yeah. Um, Now, uh, we don't have to go really into this, but I read a book years ago called Scandalous Freedom, uh, where uh, this pastor basically argues, he says, no, freedom means free. Uh, You know, when we say that, we don't mean, oh, we're free to do anything except for the bad things. No, freedom means you can do whatever you want to do. You can shoot, you're free to not sin or free to sin. Mm-hmm. Uh, now he says, you know, when you sin, you got to bear the consequences of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but freedom means you're free to do whatever you want without fear of losing your salvation. Yeah. And I think there's a sense in which that's true. Like you're free to do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Now, Jesus is giving us though, here's the path of life mm-hmm. and you're free to walk down this other path somewhat if you want. It's just going to really suck for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think there's a sense and in which that's and true. And it's dishonoring to me. Yeah. Right? Like yeah, yeah, me, yeah. I'm speaking as, yeah. as God, right? It's yeah. like the, the, the reason we obey, the reason we, we choose, we freely choose to uh, walk in obedience to the way Jesus laid out for us is not because we have to. Yeah. It's like, but it's because we want to out of we honor want, and reverence. We want, we want and to honor him and it's best for us. Yeah. 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 So I, I think that's. I think that's hard sometimes for people to like hear and think about because I think so many times we just want the the rules. We're like, okay, if I play by the rules, I'm mm-hmm. a, I'm a good boy and a good or a good girl, and uh, mm. then that means I get to go to heaven. When yeah. it's like, it's actually it's not like that. It's not a it's not transactional. It's not rewards. The blood of Jesus means you get to go to heaven. <laughs> yeah, uh, and now you get and to in live response however, to that. You get to live however you want, and we should live one way, but yeah. we're free to live however we want. Um. So so one. One thing you said that's I think really key to to talking about Christian freedom in eight in in chapter eight is is the the idea of your conscience and mm-hmm. so Paul doesn't really talk about the conscience at all in in nine but he does talk about it a lot in eight and essentially says like if if people are are acting or behaving against their own conscience that they're they're being destroyed that they're sinning mm. uh, and so that we I, I try to make it very clear in my sermon that that what Paul is not saying is act like you need to act against your own conscience to do something. He's actually right. saying the opposite. He's, yeah. saying, he's saying, don't, don't act against your conscience mm-hmm. uh, and, and beware where your Christian freedoms might lead someone else to uh, yeah. s- sin against their own conscience. And, and this is a fascinating thing because there's a sense in which Christian freedom says you can drink alcohol without getting drunk and not sin. But if you, for some reason, your conscience is forbidding you to do it, mm-hmm. right? Your conscience is saying, I shouldn't drink. And then you go against your conscience to drink. It's a sin for you, not because the drinking itself was a sin, but because you went against your own conscience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I, I think the 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 drinking, uh, you know, illustration is helpful. Uh, and I think it's been used unhelpfully in a lot of ways. But I do think in this way, it's like if you're a teetotaler and you're you're convinced from the Bible that Christians should abstain from drinking at all, mm. uh, then you should abstain from drinking. Mm. And if you have, I, but I also think in light of First Corinthians eight, if you have friends who you know are teetotalers, and you wave your Christian freedom of drinking in front of them, and either encourage them to sin against their conscience or lead them into, and, and then on the other hand. If they're tempted to drunkenness and you are mm-hmm. drinking in front of them, uh, then I think I think Paul is saying don't do either one. Like mm-hmm. don't flaunt your freedom 
to the the degradation of someone else's conscience or they're leading them into greater temptation to sin. Whether they're tempted to get drunk or they're against it completely and you're tempted to go against their conscience either way. Yeah. Yeah. Because, because the, the, the thing about meat sacrifice to idols in, in eight is like, it's not a sin to eat. Like Paul says, mm -hmm. like eating food does not come into you either way. Just meat. To Just eat food. the food or not to yeah. eat the food. And he's like, but to them, it is sin. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, so don't encourage them in your own behavior mm -hmm. to, to act against their own conscience. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I think, I think that's really important. And, and I think it's, uh, it makes these texts really in, like we need to apply them to ourselves before we start looking around and applying them to other people. Oh yeah. You know, it's like, it's easy to be like, well, that person really needs to stop leading other people into, yeah, into yeah, temptations. Yeah. Like that person needs to take, like you were talking about the bumper sticker or whatever. Yeah. It's like that person needs to take that bumper sticker off their car yeah. or that window <laughs> decal off their car, yeah. you know? Uh, instead, and, and that's really easy. It's like the, the complication of this text comes to be like, what am I doing mm -hmm. that either causes people to sin, leads them to stumble, or is a stumbling block to the proclamation of the gospel? Mm -hmm. I love it how sometimes I think about people ha have said this kind of thing, like, man, you know, I want to send this sermon to so-and-so because so-and-so really needs to hear it. And I'm like, that might be true, but like, you probably need to hear it too, man. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, so let's talk about, so there's this kind of dual foe, I think eight and nine are actually kind of two sides of the same, two coin. sides of the same coin. And one of them is an internal focus. So Paul's saying you should give up your rights uh, for the sake of your brothers, for the sake of, of the purity of your church, the, the purity of your brother, that they don't sin against their, uh, their own conscience. So what do you think you would say if someone after reading first Corinthians eight, they came up to you and they asked, so how do I know when I should give up my freedoms for the sake of my brother? Like, how do I know when I should get, give something up? What, what would you say? Mm. Uh, well, I mean, if you know this person and you know they have a particular struggle, um, you should like, for example, if you know this brother struggles with uh, pornography, you should not say, hey, man, let's go see Game of Thrones together, or Titanic or, you know, whatever. Yeah, you yeah. Know, some movie that's got nudity in it. Like, mm -hmm. let's not invite them to go see that. Instead, mm -hmm. maybe you say you don't go see it yourself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like when you know the struggle of somebody, that, that that's when you know. Yeah. Hey, yeah. I got to keep this thing away. But I mean, this was your sermon, so you tell me. Well, yeah. No, I think I think you're right, and there is a level in which I think this 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 text demands uh, a transparency and honesty of what we are struggling with and mm -hmm. what we and and also the conviction to 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 say I think this is sinful or I think this is wrong mm -hmm. uh, because if we just hide those things and keep them to ourselves, then our mm. our we can't, we can't actually, nobody know. can help us. Yeah. No one can help you. And yeah. no one can know if they're breaching this text or not, which yeah. is really unfair to them. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I think your, I think your, your movie illustration is, is apt. The, the one I used uh, in, in the sermon was talking about people living together. Mm -hmm. It's like, which you can't point to a chapter and verse and say, here, it says, don't live together before you're married. Mm -hmm. Uh, I said in the sermon, I think it's practically wise. I think you can look at data. I think you can talk to people in our church that lived together before they were married and they would not recommend it. But uh, even though you may not be living together and having sex before you're married, mm -hmm. we can assume that most people that live together before they're married are going to have sex. Yes. So even if you are not doing it, and, and, but you, you just have to imagine that you're doing it 
living together yeah. encourages other people to live together, which then encourages them to, to sin. Yeah. And you can also say this way. It gives them license. Yeah. To do and it. So I, I think, I think really you have to evaluate when you're making public decisions, mm-hmm. uh, how, how might this encourage a brother or how could this encourage a sister to sin? Mm-hmm. So, uh, if I'm posting something online that's mocking another person, that's um, degrading a group mm-hmm. of people, that's, you know, whatever, maybe I mean it in this like, haha, kind of jokey way, mm-hmm. but are, am I in posting it? Am I reinforcing someone else's mm-hmm. sinful prejudices or yeah. sinful um, issue, like hatred in their heart or something? And so I just think, again, it goes back to you need to evaluate for yourself. Mm-hmm. Is what I'm doing going to stir up or encourage some sort of sinful response in someone else? Mm-hmm. Um, well, here's another example. Um, you know, you've got someone who go back to the drinking example. Mm-hmm. Someone who's drinking in their home, no one sees them, whatever. Versus, hey, I'm I'm drinking. I'm going to post a picture on social media with my glass raised up high. Well, mm-hmm. you have the freedom to do that. Nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. But are you then encouraging someone else who's going to see that? Go, oh. They're a Christian. They're out partying, out drinking. Mm-hmm. They they only see a picture. They have no idea how much, and it gives them license to go do it. Maybe they do it in sin because yeah. they drink too much. Yeah, uh, and so we got to be careful. Even though you have the freedom to drink and to mm-hmm. post about it, like how you do it matters. Yeah, yeah. I think that's I think that's really good. And and what what we what we don't I think the hard part about these texts. It's like th- there can be a legalism, I think, that comes in, mm-hmm. right? Like a, there's this sort of creeping like legalism. Uh, it's like, so it's like, so what we're not saying is like, hey, if you are drinking at home, just don't post about it. It's like, I think what I think what people it, want the rule. They want, give me, yeah, give me, yeah. The, give me the rules. And we're saying yeah, this isn't but, a, a rule thing. It's a wisdom thing. Yeah, just be, be wise, yeah, be wise about, about how your actions. Well, one, one thing I said in my sermon was that uh, personal freedom is never personal. Ooh, right. Like, preach. like it did. <laughs> uh, and it's like your, your decisions are never in a vacuum. Your mm. decisions affect your kids. Your decisions affect your church. Your phys- decisions affect your family, your workplace, like whoever, everyone around you. And so you can't just no no action you take. is like, well, that's just my decision. Yeah. yeah. It's a, it's, there's no, just my decisions. There's mm-hmm. always ripple effects. And For so sure. just can, if someone were to ask me like, how do I know what to give, what to give up? Well, it's saying, well, just consider the ripple effects of, uh, whatever it, it may be. And if there's something that a specific thing that comes to mind mm-hmm. when you're, when you're, when you're thinking about this, if someone came and asked me the question, I'd say, are you asking about a specific thing with a specific person? And if they said, yes, I'd say, you should probably give it up. Mm, like yeah. if, you, if you're thinking about it yeah, yeah. and you can identify the, the, the thing, the temptation and the person it's called conviction. You've, you've <laughs> checked all the boxes, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, so, and, and I also would say, Sometimes it's not always to give up in entirety. It's to give up in specificity. Mm-hmm. Like I may not have to give up this thing completely, but around these people or in public or on social media, I'm mm-hmm. going to give this thing up. And I'm yeah. going to only do it in these situations because I know I can control other people situations by my doing this in private or in these situations. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think there's a sense in which it's like, it's, o- it's okay to do things in private. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, it's not always hiding it. Right. And just because like, like Paul, Paul does not condemn these people for 
for eating the meat. Mm-hmm. What he warns them about is doing it in public. Flaunting. It says he says when they see you mm-hmm. eating the meat. Yeah, uh, is is specifically what he says. And so it's not like certainly you can sin in private, and a lot of sin is done yeah. in private. But not everything that is done in private is sin. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's okay to have a glass of bourbon at home by yourself at night. It's like, it doesn't mean you're sinning because right. you're doing it privately. You're you not, drink 10 bourbons, you might be sinning. <laughs> you, you sinned about, <laughs> about eight you, bourbons ago. You, you sinned a lot of bourbons ago. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> but so it's like, I, I think there's this idea, especially in this sort of like shame, like when we talk about uh, particularly culturally shameful sins. Yeah. That's like, well, if I do it in private, I'm hiding it. Yeah. What's well, That's not, that's not always the case. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, I think I think that's I think that's important to know. So then, so that that's kind of eight, right? Talking about the internal mm-hmm. focus. Well, then we move into nine, and there's this more external focus. And and one thing I wanted to talk about is we didn't we didn't do all of nine, but Paul goes back into this sort of like rhetorical question mode, and he starts talking about like how he's an apostle and he's all these important, you know, he's like he he like am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Yeah, yeah. He he outlines all this stuff, and I think it's interesting. Is Paul is intentionally showing his elevated status in terms of theology, in mm-hmm. terms of position. Uh, position, in terms of authority, to make the point, and I'm still giving all these things up. Yeah, and, and maybe even more so. Yeah, no, I think he is. Like, you know, it's one thing, like it's still wrong, it's about, well, it's one thing when, you know, average Christian who's not in, in any position, not a Sunday school teacher, they're just coming. When they flaunt their freedom in someone's sense, it's of another sort when a deacon, an elder, or even a Sunday school teacher, someone yes. who's in front of me, a worship leader, um, uh, is doing these things because they're like, oh, they're kind of up on the, the pedestal as mm-hmm. the model and the example of what this should look like. No, I, I think that's 100% true. And I, I tried to say that in, in my sermon, that it's like the people he's talking to are likely the church leaders. Yeah. The educated people who are saying, hey, it's not a big deal to 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 eat the meat. Mm-hmm. And they're probably the church leaders. And that actually causes more strife in the heart of the person. He's like, well, am I not good enough? Am I not smart of the person who thinks they can't eat the meat? Yeah. It's like, but all my leaders are saying I can. But for me, it's sin. Mm. Uh, and so I, I do think that's part of Paul's argument here is saying. Leaders I, lead. Yeah. And it's so. Uh, not only is it like, hey, it's a bigger deal that I like. I have all the authority over these people, and I mm-hmm. give that up to serve them. But he's, but he's also making the points like there's a greater yeah. expectation for me to to sacrifice because I'm a leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so then we get into what you talked about this week, and it was uh, you know the end of nine, and particularly about creating stumbling blocks of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's a lot of nuance in how we talk about this, and so. Kind of similarly to what we talked about in eight, how do we know if something's creating a barrier to the gospel? Yeah. Um, and in many ways. And, you- and I think, sorry, the follow-up question is like, also like, aren't, isn't the gospel naturally going to repel people? Like, aren't, aren't, aren't people naturally going to resist the message yeah. anyway? And so. Well, let's, let's start there. Okay. Yeah. Yes. People aren't people, all people naturally resist the gospel. Mm-hmm. Uh, Romans three, you know, and no one seeks God, right? And so we naturally resist the gospel, um, and we can't change that. Mm-hmm. People try, people try to water down the gospel, <laughs> yeah. to get it to people. But we we're saying that's bad, that's wrong. 
Um, we can't change the offense of the gospel. This is God's message. We just mm-hmm. deliver it. What we can change is the obstacles on the way to the gospel. Yeah. Unnecessary ones. And you ask the question, how do we know if something's creating a barrier to the gospel? Well, often you don't know until uh, they run into the wall. Mm-hmm. Right. And so uh, if you're if you are doing something or portraying something or whatever that has caused the barrier, you'll know because the conversation uh, has changed has shifted to not be about Jesus, but to be about this other thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, or they, they, they won't talk that like you after digging into what their resistance to the gospel, it comes out. Well, these are the things. And you're like, well, why are we talking about that? Mm-hmm. That has nothing to do with it. Well, mm-hmm. to them, it does to them. It's a barrier. So yeah. it comes up in the conversation. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I just think, I think that's, it's interesting to think about, because so like you mentioned, uh, you mentioned uh, like a like a shirt, like wearing a shirt. Yeah. And so I've got this sweat. I thought immediately I thought of the sweater I have that says Jesus loves you on it. Mm. And it's like every oh, time yeah. I every time I wear it, I, I think there's probably people that see me and like have a lot of preconceived notions about who I am, what mm. I believe, all of these things. And so in a way, it's like that could create a resistance, a stumbling block to me talking to them, mm-hmm. right? Because I'm, I'm wearing the Jesus loves you mm. sweater. It's like, but the sweater itself is part is the message, the message. Yeah. And so it's like, should I not wear the sweater and then just tell them Jesus loves you? And then they make all those uh, preconceived yeah. judgments, you know? And so it's, it's, that, and that's what's a wisdom issue. Yeah. Right? Like some of them are more clear, mm-hmm. right? They're like, there are some issues that are like, yeah, it's still a wisdom issue, but like, we pretty much all agree this is a stumbling block. <laughs> and then there are some that's like, ooh, that could go either way. Yeah, yeah. And you, in your own conscience and own wisdom, have to figure that out. And 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 I think more clearly, it's like if I'm wearing the Jesus Loves You sweater and I'm like berating an employee at a, like, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, and so a lot of it is about, you know, how you, re- like, if if the, the thing, the, pu- the thing you're doing publicly is specifically about Jesus. Yeah. Your behavior then. It's like the classic example of, do you have a, a Jesus fish on your car and you're driving hundred miles an hour recklessly? Yeah. 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 Like, like, the people off honking to people. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. It's that's like, a problem. Yeah. And so, so then what are, how do you know if something not, you know, not my Jesus loves you sweater, mm-hmm. not an ichthus on the back of your car, right? People have these preconceived notions about Christianity. Yeah. How do you know about something else if it's creating well, I, think, stumbling block I think in some ways you have to be a student of culture, mm-hmm. right? And um, I can't remember, there was a famous pastor that said something like, you know, when he wrote his sermons, he had the Bible in one hand, the newspaper in the other. Um, I think that may have been Tim Keller. Maybe. I, well, I, I think we heard it at TGC. But, yeah. Um, but, uh, and so as you're a student of culture, like you should know the sort of things that are triggering, mm-hmm. are offensive, are stumbling blocks. For different groups of people, right? Not this. This may mm-hmm. be, not be a stumbling block to this person, mm-hmm. uh, and so it's like, okay, what what is a uh, uh, a sticking point for people on the left? What's a sticking point mm-hmm. for people on the right? What is a sticking point for white people? For black people? For uh, Asian people? Like, what is you know, poor people, rich people, mm-hmm. um, educated people, non educated, like all these different categories and subcategories of people, like. It doesn't take a lot of thinking to understand the types of things that offend them, they get mad about, they're passionate about. Mm -hmm. And so take five seconds to think about culture a little bit and you should be able to figure it out. Yeah. I think the the illustration you used about uh, like 
uh, serving serving a hamburger to your like to Hindu oh, know, like yeah. your Hindu neighbors or whatever. Like you're, you're like an expat in India yeah. or something. And it's like I think that's like a really great illustration. It's like you should just know <laughs> yeah. if people are Hindu, they're not gonna want to eat your hamburger. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, or it's like if your neighbors are Jewish. It's like don't invite them over for dinner and have pork chops. Right. Like that's disrespectful. Yeah. And it's gonna be and it's gonna cause a stumbling block to uh you know to any gospel proclamation. And so like another story I thought about is um I think is a probably a good example of how not to do or of how to do this and and not create a stumbling block is uh the story of Rosaria Butterfield, mm-hmm. you know, being invited over to this pastor's house and talking about the things of God and talking about mm-hmm. Christianity and talking about Jesus. Um, but this woman's like a liberal practicing, uh, she's a queer studies uh, professor. Yeah. Uh, who is in a lesbian relationship. Yeah. And somehow this guy was able, this pastor was able to talk about Jesus and talk about the gospel in a way that this person who is steeped in the ideologies of the left, Mm -hmm. steeped in the LGBTQ community was able to not be offended. It was not a stumbling block. Yeah. And imagine if that pastor had a hat on that said, you know, queers go to hell or something. Yeah. Or, or, or had the, you know, like the, like the, the mocking, like parody, um, you know, like love is love. Mm-hmm. Uh, the opposite like, of that. Yeah. The one that's like making fun of all that stuff, like out in his lawn. Yeah. And then she comes over. It's like, well, this is going to be a quick meeting. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, it's like she's 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 developed all these preconceived. Notions. And if you don't know Rosario Butterfield, has now come to faith, renounced all yeah, those things, yeah. is married to a man, pa- a pastor herself, um, she, or married. She's married to a pastor. Yeah, and, and so it's like because he didn't put an obstacle to the gospel. Yeah, and so it's like there is a way to do this, right? To to preach the gospel, to evangelize with, and and and, and, it, and keep it, to the core tenets of the and faith. And it doesn't mean. You know, to sacrifice, to not put that hat on or whatever, doesn't mean you don't believe the same thing. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean you don't 100%. hold deep convictions about truth. Yeah. You do. But you're not trying to convince. This, this is the thing about Rosaria Butterfield that's interesting. This pastor says that, the you know, the greatest, her greatest problem wasn't her homosexuality. It was her unwillingness to bow her knees to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so um, trying to shove that ideology down her throat wasn't the the thing he she needed jesus mm-hmm. and so if we're wearing the hats putting the signs out whatever of our ideology it's like mm-hmm. they are missing the point and we're not getting them the actual point yeah i think that's super helpful to think we don't want to convert people to liberalism or conservatism yeah like that's not our, we don't we don't care about that like what we care about is converting people to following jesus yeah uh, the kingship of, of Jesus. And certainly when people live in right response to uh, the Lordship of Christ, that lends itself to certain uh, values, which then turn into certain uh, political ideologies or whatever. Mm-hmm. But that's down the road. Yeah. Uh, w- what we're trying to get people to when we're evangelizing them is faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I think I think you're right. It's like when we when we start with the 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 political ideology or the, the, uh, you know, when we, when we want them to be obedient to Jesus, when mm-hmm. they don't even know Jesus. Yeah. It's like, we just destroy when you try to go de- to step two, mm-hmm. you destroy any chances of step one. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and so I, I think that's, I, you know, in a ultra politicized moment, that's really hard mm-hmm. to do because we just want people to agree with us. Yeah. Uh, and it's funny. We would almost rather people agree with us on 
some political issue or for some political candidate, then we actually care if they agree with us on if Jesus is Lord or not. Which, man, can you just imagine if we were the opposite of that? Yeah. <laughs> like if all we cared about was getting people to Jesus and not that they would agree with our whatever position. It's like, that's what we should be. That's what mm-hmm. we should be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I care that you are in the kingdom, not that mm-hmm. you're in my party. Mm-hmm. Ooh. <laughs> that's good. Um, so what are some what are some specific cultural issues uh that we that we can that we need to reflect on yeah. in in light of these these two kind of arguments? What what do you think? Um some we've already hit, you know, drinking. Um yeah, what we can re-say some, but what what do you think? Um well I, I think politics is the big elephant in the room. Um, and donkey in the room and that's true i didn't even think about that (laughs) um uh you know we talk about this cultural moment feels like more than a moment we've been saying that for a few for a while now for a few moments this cultural decade um that everyone's so mad and has so opinionated and so steeped in uh their right, right or leftness um i think those are big things i mean you just take i think is are Republicans elephants? I can't remember. Yeah. So the other elephant in the room, I think it's Trump himself. I think Trump is a stumbling block uh, for people on the left. And so it's like if you, and some people on the right. Well, sure. And some people on the right. Um, and so it's like if you're, uh, you know, walking around town with a MAGA hat on, you have eliminated a whole class of people who are going to hate you. And therefore not listen to you. No, and that's not saying that that's right for them to hate you because they shouldn't mm-hmm. do that. But they've already dismissed you. Mm-hmm. And you never have a shot to talk to them about Jesus. And so you should give up the freedom of wearing your MAGA hat for the sake of the gospel. Yeah. And and I think one thing you said really earlier is, is really helpful in that sense is like you can still vote for him. Yeah. You know, it's like you can still support him. It's like it may just not be the most public of things. For the sake of the gospel. Yeah. And um, what would you rather be more public about, Jesus or Trump? Yeah. Well, yeah. I think that's a good question. It's like, hey, what would I rather be known for? Uh, and I think that's for all of us. And I think that kind of goes to your question, like, what's the aim of your life? Mm. It's like, what's the thing I'm aiming for? What's the thing I want to be known for? Mm. Uh, is it my political persuasion or is it my commitment to Jesus? Right. Um, and and <laughs> those things are not synonymous. Mm. Uh, if people know that you're a Republican Democrats don't have this problem. No one assumes that Democrats are Christians. They actually assume the opposite. Yeah. Um, but like Republicans think, oh, if people know I'm a Republican, they'll also know I'm a Christian. Mm-hmm. It's not true. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think I think that's something to think about. Or and, and I think even older people think, oh, if people know I'm an American, they mm-hmm. know I'm mm-hmm. Christian. Yeah, yeah. And I just think <laughs> it's that's not, not, not true anymore. Yeah. Uh, and was never true. Yeah. Uh, and so. Yeah, that is the – it's become such an identity thing. Mm-hmm. It, you are who you support. You are who yeah. you believe. And so um, – And so how do we – how do we – kind of I think the theme of the sermon, of my sermon, was building bridges. Mm-hmm. How, do we, how do you build a bridge to someone who's, who is fundamentally mm-hmm. different than you ideologically, philosophically, mm-hmm. uh, politi- politically? How do you build that bridge? Mm-hmm. Well, let's find all of the things we have in common. Yeah. Let well, me find every possible little nook mm-hmm. and cranny of something that I can go, oh, yes. Mm-hmm. You know, part of the problem is we become more more Republican than we are 
Christian. And so it's like, oh, I can't concede any ground to their mm-hmm. ideology. It's like, well, actually, why don't you come across here and say, hey, man, I get the racial justice thing. Mm-hmm. And you know who's for that? Jesus. Mm-hmm. Hey, I get the the border thing. You know mm-hmm. who? Uh, you know who loves immigrants? Read the Old Testament. Read the whole Bible. <laughs> I love widows and, and aliens and foreigners. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, man, we there are bridges to be built. We're just not good at building them. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's super helpful. Just like just to, uh, you know, the, the, the beginning of chapter eight, he talks about, you know, knowledge puffs up and the love of God builds up. Mm-hmm. It's like we can be like you, you could be right about the border wall, right? Or you could be right about uh, universal health care. Mm-hmm. You could be right about, you know, whatever political position. Let's say, let's say, but is your rightness more important than showing the love of God? Mm-hmm. And Paul says, no. Yeah. Paul says, what rightness does is build yourself up. Mm-hmm. What, what, what being correct does is build, only build yourself up. But what, yeah. what loving the other person does is is it builds the kingdom of god Mm -hmm. it builds up Mm -hmm. um and so Uh, here's another example i think there's a movie that's about to come out um about uh trans uh some you know about women's sports Mm -hmm. and it's all these dudes playing women's sports it's a a comedy Mm -hmm. um and you know it's trying to make the point that men shouldn't play women's sports right a point i agree with Mm -hmm. um and but if I am posting and celebrating and, you know, lifting up that movie, um, I'm probably going to lose any audience I have with any trans person to share the gospel with them. Yeah. Right. And so it's what, while I agree with the movie, while you potentially could watch the movie, laugh at the movie, agree with the movie, mm-hmm. how you flaunt it and talk about it and post about it might ruin your, um, might be an obstacle to the gospel. Yeah. And so I, I think the same could be true as like the same company is making like a Snow White movie. And if you're just posting about how awful and terrible it is just because of the people that made it and their, uh, you know, their their religious persuasion, mm-hmm. nothing about the movie itself is hurtful or harmful right. or whatever. Uh, I think you could potentially lose people on the right, you know, that they're just saying like, this person just hates me because of what I believe politically or mm-hmm. where I get my news or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they're just always going to hate me. And so it's this, this thing that just pushes people into segments. Yeah. Right. Uh, and so what we want to do is we want to be outside the lines. It's like, we want to agree with, agree with people where we can agree with them because that's what people need right now Yeah, is like, just to feel like have some common ground. Um, and just don't feel like we have to be right about every issue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like instead of building walls that push people away, build mm-hmm. bridges that get w- w- gives us the opportunity to get to tell them about Jesus. Uh, because if I couldn't convince someone of all of my political and ideological views, but I don't get them Jesus, I've failed. And they might vote my way and they might think my way and they're going to burn in hell. Mm-hmm. And so who mm-hmm. cares about those other things? Mm-hmm. Jesus is what matters. Yeah. And so I will sacrifice my freedom to post and yell and chant and think or, and say uh, the things that I think are right so that I might have uh, the opportunity to share Jesus uh, in a credible way. Yeah. And here's, here's, one more, here's one more point like I'll make on those lines that I, that I just thought of. It's like even 
like, you know, sometimes when we talk about posting or, you know, whatever online behavior, we think about like the ugliest form of it. Mm -hmm. And I think even it's like you could write the most eloquent, God honoring, uh, you know, whatever post about whatever, whatever uh, political issue. It's not belligerent. It's not Mm -hmm. angry. It's not, it's like, and that still might cause someone to doubt what you have to say about the gospel. Yeah. And and that's where this has to be. It's such a wisdom thing. Yeah. Because while we're saying there are some issues that are like really clear, like, hey, man, Mm -hmm. don't do that. Yeah. Uh, There are sometimes it's like, hmm, that's a tough one. Mm -hmm. Like, should I, as a pastor, write a blog post um, about um, whatever political topic, like abortion or something? Uh, that my church is going to read, knowing that people might share it, and other people might read it, it might become a stumbling block. Well, it's like, well, on the one hand, I'm trying to inform and, and teach and persuade Christians on uh, how to think about an issue, while on mm-hmm. the other hand, it might create an opposite. And so it's like, I've got to weigh that. Yeah. Right? And it's not a clear one way or the other. Yeah. Um, for sure. For sure. So what's, Brent, what, what are a couple ways that, like, so I think we a lot of talked about, like, in the individual response to, to these texts, right? Mm-hmm. Like what, what do we, uh, do as like individuals, right? Mm-hmm. How do I think about this? Uh, how do I apply wisdom? Uh, but what about like, so this is a letter to the church, right? Yeah. And this is to a, a, a body of believers. So how do we, as a body of believers live in obedience to these texts together in community, not just, uh, in, in isolation or on yeah. a personal level? I think, Two things come to mind. One is kind of what you said at the beginning. It's like when we're honest and we share about what we're actually struggling with, what's actually going on, we can actually care for one another um, and, you know, not be putting temptation in front of each other by living and flaunting our freedom. Uh, but mm-hmm. the other thing I was thinking about kind of corporately as a church, it's like, you know, one thing our church doesn't do that a lot of churches have done historically is pass out voter guides, mm-hmm. you know, um, it's like. Or put, you know, issue one was just a big deal, you know, which I was very much in favor against. I can't remember. Against what, issue one. Against issue one, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of churches put those signs out in front of the yard. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that was wrong of them to do. Uh, I think it was a very complicated, hard issue. Uh, and as I thought about it, it's like, you know what? I'm just not going to put them up because I don't want to be looked at as the political church and create an obstacle to the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, I think everybody in our church pretty much was pretty much in agreement on this one. So I wasn't, I didn't need to convince people in our church. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I, I think just things like that, it's like, Hey, as a church, let's be a people who build bridges and not put obstacles. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are going to be obstacles. The gospel yeah, yeah. is an obstacle. Yeah. Some of the implications of the gospel create obstacles. Yeah. And so let's just make as few of them as possible. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's, I think that's good. And I think um, just one, I think the the main way, I would just just say it like church wise is just to to exhibit this in the church walls, right? To exhibit what it means to live like this um, in our Sunday school classes, in our D groups, you know, all in our in our uh, corporate gathering, right? Maybe maybe you're really ticked about how some of the stuff we said on the mm-hmm. podcast or the sermons or whatever, it's like living in light of those, those disagreements well and having unity, which mm-hmm. is ultimately what Paul is, is calling for here. He's saying, be self-sacrificial to one another so you can have unity uh, is, 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 is how we, is how we live, uh, re, you know, in response corporately uh, to, to this, to these texts. Mm-hmm. Um, any, any final thoughts on nine? Nope. Uh, me neither. <laughs>
I, you look like you're surfing. I don't know what that was. I, video, Brent was like doing a little arm motion. Uh, well, no questions this week. Uh, so er, we were both super clear in our preaching is what that says to me. <laughs> uh, and also just note, we'll be taking a break from doing the podcast during our Advent series. Uh, and then we'll be back doing the podcast when Church Matters series comes we'll be back. We'll back in 2024. In 2024. Doesn't even feel like a real year. Uh, but thanks for listening and joining us for the recap. We hope the conversation has encouraged you uh, to keep striving to make Jesus essential in every aspect of your life. If you aren't part of our church family, we'd love to meet you on a Sunday morning. We gather for worship at 1030 a.m. For more information, you can go to myfellowship.church. Thanks for listening. Be blessed.